listening to Our Stories, the Australian Army on Operations podcast. I'm with Task Group Taji, and this week I've come down to the Q store to catch up with the quartermaster here, who's Captain Ian Pennington, to find out a bit more about some of the equipment that's being issued to the task group as they prepare to deploy to Iraq. So first of all, Captain Pennington, just tell us what's going on here today. What we've got is the extreme cold weather clothing issue that uh, is part of the Taji 4 deployment because we're going during the winter months. So there's a whole host of, of additional equipment, boots, clothing that needs to be issued to every individual so that they are protected from the environment and the elements when we go over to Taji. What kind of weather are we talking about then? Uh, well, the, what we've been briefed is from uh, October through to April, it gets uh, down below zero and it's obviously extremely wet as well, so we've, we've got to prepare for it. I've been hearing as well there's going to be a lot of mud. Yes, yes, there is going to be a lot of mud, so we're obviously we're issuing the Zambalan boots as a consequence of that, but I'm also assured that there's a lot of gum boots over there, so additional protective from them. So gum boots, and obviously for an international audience, that's Wellington boots, isn't it? It is, yes. Of course, yourself coming from the UK originally, as I understand it. That's it. Yes, I did. Yeah. I've only been across it just over three years. Uh, so, yeah, really enjoying myself. Great. Well, perhaps you could show us around. So as we go in the kind of main entrance here and off to one side, we've got, as you say, a whole kind of host of boots. So why two different sets of boots? Well, what we've got is we've got the, the general issue boot that everybody would get. And as I said just previously, we've got the Zambalan boot as well, which is the, the, the boot with the black sole. Uh, and that is a, a weatherproof and waterproof boot that people will be issued because of the weather. And why are boots so important? Because even historically, when we've heard about soldiers going away to a conflict zone, boots always seems to be a topic of conversation. Why is that? It is because, um, especially with the training task units, they're going to be on their feet a hell of a lot, a lot of patrolling, a lot of walking around. And what we've seen in the past, especially if you go back to World War One, World War Two, where boots were not as good as they are nowadays, the last thing we want to do is lose a soldier as a consequence of having a poor boot that's going to create problems and you know, give him medical conditions that we don't need. So how high-tech are these boots? Has a lot of research gone into them? I mean, how have they got to the stage that they are at now? Well, I'm not an expert on it, but um, having wore several types of boot and come through 30 years in both armies, I've seen a significant improvement over the years, and they are comfortable, long-lasting, hard-wearing, uh, and obviously provide the soldier with the best that they can do. And if we look over the other side here, I mean, we've got these kind of odd wearable sleeping bags. What are they for? Again, because it's uh, the extreme cold weather issue, we've got the, the softy trousers and the softy jacket, and that's what the guys are issued. So again, as you said, it's a mobile sleeping bag. It'll allow them just to be warm when it gets a little bit cold in the evening. And I noticed just right next door, we've got thermal shirts, thermal socks, we've got gloves, we've even got some mittens that look like they belong on a ski slope. Exactly. The same detail. We're just making sure that the boys and girls are protected as best as they can be with the thermal socks, the mittens, the gloves. There's several layers of gloves there and they all just tie in together and work together. And we're also what we've got inside there is, a, is an Arctic sleeping bag and all the other gear that obviously goes along with that. And what's confusing me here, though, is as I look down below, there's also a whole bunch of sandals here. So how come we've got all the cold weather gear and sandals? Because it's basically a dual issue, because we are there from... Because we deploy in November in the cold months, but we don't come back until June. We're obviously going into the summer months, so people will have to... The sandals... But the sandals are not just there as a consequence of the summer months. It's also to afford them a bit of protection when they go for a shower, so that they're not walking around in bare feet, because there is a potentially an issue of, of having problems with the way the country is. Okay, so if we look through the back room here, I mean, we've got a whole kind of 
treasure trove of equipment in here. So tell us what's uh, available in here. Well, what we've got in here is, is, is just an add-on to what, from the sizing pack, that we've got in the front alcove. This is where the guys get issued their equipment. Um, they start off by being issued two new esh bags. And basically what we do is we fill their mesh bags with all the clothing that they've been sized for. So the thermal underwear, the thermal tops, thermal trousers, new socks, the waterproof jackets, their uh, softy trousers and jackets, their boots, to name but a few things. And the RQMS is the expert of what goes on in here. So what I'll do, I think he might be the best man to give you the guided tour and answer your questions you've got on that. Now, RQMS, just decode for me and for our audience, what does that stand for? He is the Warrant Officer Class 1 Regimental Quartermaster Sergeant for the 1st Armoured. The man that I've got working with me is Warrant Officer Class 1 Stacey. Uh, we've been working together for just over 20 months now. And um, yeah, I could say a lot of good things and a lot of bad things about him. So tell us then a bit more about what we're seeing here. What we're going through here at the moment is um, each section and cell from each of the task units is filing through in an orderly fashion, broken up into periods of time. They'll get a brief out the front to detail what's actually going on. Then they're gonna come in here, they'll get kitted out and fitted. This is the fitting room and all my um, staff will individually fit the guys for every piece of equipment that they'll need for the tour. And then they'll take them through the kitting area and they'll individually issue them all the uh, equipment they need, from boots to cold weather clothing to anything they need that we're issuing. Then they'll confirm that they've received every item and then um, they sign for it. And then they're on their merry way to get back to their role and the training. So. It seems very organised and very structured. You've clearly got things very much under control here. Yeah, it's not my first rodeo. So, <laughs> so no, we've done this before in the past. So I've done it a couple of times. So. I know the importance of getting the people in and out because they've got a role to do and we've got a role to do. So the, the faster we are to get them back out there, it uh, makes our life easier for us to carry on. As I look over the back there, I can see helmets. I can see the combat ensemble, which is the body armour that the yeah. soldiers wear. Tell us a bit more about that. What is it and why do they have to wear it? That soldier, the SCE, as we call it, the Soldier Combat Ensemble, is the new body protection equipment that we've been issued from helmets to uh, the plate carrier and um, all the associated pouches with it. It just protects the soldier from head and torso basically and ballistic eyewear as well. So if there is an incident from VBIDs or IEDs or insurgents, they're protected as much as they can be with the kit that's been issued. So. Because what's interesting, of course, is if, as we look at things historically, is health and safety is so much more of an issue these days and is reflected in the kitting that you're doing here. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, we go back 20 years ago, we never had the body armour or the protective equipment we have now. It was just a little tin, tin lid. You look at the kit the soldiers are getting now, they're very well kitted, they're very well protected and they're very well trained. So what more can you ask for? What's it like, though, having to wear all of this kit on a day-to-day -day basis? What's the reality for the soldier in terms of the weight they're having to carry and how they go about doing their jobs with all this gear on? For us as logisticians, and we are bound in a more of a comfortable environment in a warehouse or an office environment. The soldiers on the ground, especially the trainers, they're going to be in this equipment day in, day out from dusk till dawn. So the fatigue that they're going to face over that period of time is going to be immense. Their training has, has uh, put them in a good position 
but they won't know the continued effects of that fatigue until they're doing it for six months. So, no, they're well trained, so they'll be able to meet the intent. Captain Pennington, coming back to you, tell us a bit more perhaps about your own preparation to be part of Task Group Taji. What does it take to get yourself ready to go out to Iraq to do your job? From a logistics perspective, we start planning several months in advance so that we can make sure that when people start coming through the training, we have the equipment ready for them. That's the key preparation for ourselves and also ensuring that when they go through, they have got the right equipment there for them as well. So between myself and the RQMS, we have put numerous demands in to ensure that equipment is in the right place at the right time for the individuals so that they are good to go, not only for the training here, but also for when they start doing the training with the Iraqi army in Taji. And tell us a bit more about your own background, because as you said earlier, you've served with the British Army. So how did you come to be here? I, uh, I joined the British Army back in 1984, uh, served just under 30 years with them. But it, it got to a point where my, my daughter was grown up and, and flown the nest. And my wife and I decided that we were going to look for a change. There was an ideal opportunity for me to transfer to the Australian Army. And I started the process in 2012 and arrived in 2014. So in terms of the fact that you have served in both armies, what are the kind of main differences? There's very little. There's very little that's different between the two armies because I think pretty much it was a seamless transition for myself. The way they function is pretty similar, so it's been, it's been good. Captain Pennington, Warrant Officer Class 1 Stacey, thank you both very much. Thank you. This podcast is produced by the Australian Army and is copyright the Commonwealth of Australia.